Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Let's pray together. God, thank you for letting us be here this morning to offer up our lives, our voices, our hearts, our minds, all that we are to you in worship. Indeed, we cry out with the angels around your throne, with the, uh, the, the generations of people who have gone on before us, Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Father, we claim you to be the highest. We allow you to be the king of our lives. We allow you to sit on the throne of our lives. We allow you that, that place of honor because you have earned that by creating us, and by recreating us in your image, in the image of your son, Jesus. Father, we ask now as we come to the pages of scripture this morning that you would move through us, take these ancient words, speak them to our modern ears, make them make a difference in our lives, even beginning today. Move your words through your spirit in our hearts and in our minds. Move that to our hands and feet. And God, as always, I pray, teach us how to love better. I pray this in the name of King Jesus. Amen. You be seated. Welcome. Hey, we're glad you're here this morning. Nice to see so many of you in the room today. Those of you tuned in online, sorry you can't be with us, but glad you're making this a part of your weekend as well. Uh, a couple just real quick housekeeping things before we dig in too deep this morning. I uh, want to mention to you, we've got some uh, exciting things coming up in the month of October. Um, we're beelining towards October already. I want to be sure you know about a couple of these things. Uh, the first is Sunday, uh, uh, October the 8th. I'm going to get these numbers right. Sunday, October 8th, uh, right after our service, we're going to be having what we call a ministry fair. First time we We've ever done this. It's tying in with our Say Yes series. We'll talk more about that as we get along. So you want to be sure you're here on uh, the 8th for that. And then on October 22nd is one of our biggest events of the year. We call it Flannel by the Fire. That's on a Sunday evening uh, down uh, on our property down here. We've got, of course, a bonfire, but games and activities for the entire family. Uh, there's a rumor of some axe throwing going to happen this year. Uh, so a lot of wonderful things happening October 22nd that evening. Uh, make plans, cancel your other plans, uh, and be here that evening for just a a wonderful time uh, for flannel by the fire. And as we look ahead even farther to the holidays, I was handed this note this morning. Uh, we are in process of, of getting things together and planned out for our annual Christmas craft workshop. And if any of you are interested in uh, hosting a table, please see Amy Moeller. She would love to talk to you about how you can be a part of that. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning. This is week two in a series of sermons that we're calling Say Yes. We've got big signs and everything because we think this is pretty important what we're talking about this fall together in this Say Yes campaign. The challenge before us in this campaign, where, where I'm going with this and what I'm pushing you to do all, all fall long, is to say yes to participating in the kingdom of God. And that's going to look different, in a, it's going to look a lot of different ways for a lot of different people, and that's what makes it so much fun. But the challenge for you and the challenge for me is to say yes to us, you, me, together as individuals, as families, as a, corpor a corporate family, as a church, of saying yes to participating in the king kingdom of God. And the question that's kind of been on my mind the last several months as I've been preparing this series is simply this. I wonder, what would it look like if we all said yes to participating in the kingdom of God? And by that, I mean, I don't say, yes, we're, gonna, we're all going to come to church. That's a good thing. But what if we said yes 
to participating in the kingdom of God today, right here in Tuscarawas County, in 2023, what would that look like if we got serious about our participation in the kingdom of God? So we're talking about what that looks like in these first couple of messages, what the kingdom looks like. Let me just ask you this question as we get started. I've got a few props to help maybe get this, get your thinking going. But the question for you this morning is, what is your most valuable possession? What is the thing that you own that you treasure the most? For, for instance, it might be something that, that would represent to you security or safety. For instance, I, I brought a checkbook. Maybe your checkbook or your portfolio, your income, your wealth, your uh, your investments, maybe that for you, it, re- it represents to you security, safety. I know if anything, I'm going to be okay because I, I still got this. At our house, we've got this, um, this is blanky. Um, our, our, our Caroline is our youngest. This is, oh, that's upside down, Caroline, sorry. Um, I had to ask permission to bring this this morning. And she's 11. She doesn't hold this with her every moment of the life like she would when she was little. This went everywhere with us. And it would stink. Oh, man. We had to wash this thing, and we had to sneak it away from her to wash it. But this went everywhere with her. Why? Because it represented security, safety, comfort. What's your most valuable possession? For some of you, maybe it's your mind. I brought one of those. This is the book I'm working through right now that's just blowing my mind. It's called Reenchanting the Text. It's a good book. I encourage you to pick it up. Um, but maybe for you, it's, it's your intellect. Uh, ben Folds, the, the artist, said this. Uh, if your body gives way, will you always have your mind? So maybe for you, when you think about your most valuable thing, it's, it's your intellect, it's your mind, your ability to think great thoughts, your ability to reason, your ability to problem solve. Maybe for you, your most valuable possession is your, is your brain, is your mind. Maybe for you, it's, uh, here, here's another one. Is, um, I got my diploma. They actually gave me one of these, yeah. Maybe for you, it's, it's your diploma, it's your education, because that represents for you your career. Because you couldn't do what you do for a living if you didn't have one of these. And so you've got this, so you could do that. And so this maybe is a, a prized possession of yours. Your accomplishments, your, your career, what it is you spend your time doing. Maybe that's it for you. Maybe for you, it's a, I, I brought just a big old wrench. Because you know, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. And it's all right, three or four of you are still listening. All right. Um, <clears throat> Maybe for, this will represent your hobbies. Some of you love to tinker on old cars. You, you love to fix things. You love to build things. You love to create. You love to sew. You love to garden. You love to cook. What's your tool? Maybe your most valuable possession is your, your tools or your hobby, your, your, what, you, what you just love to do. Maybe that's for you. That's what's most valuable. That was loud. Maybe, I, yeah, I did number. Maybe for you, it's your family. The picture of me and my oldest daughter. We were surfing a few years ago, and we got a picture, and Maybe for you, it's your family. And everything you do is built around this idea of uh, as making memories for your family, making sure they got the, the best opportunities they can have. And you spend every day trying to figure out how you can do better for your family. Maybe for you, your family is your most valuable possession. Well, I think this morning that Jesus wants to gently remind us about what is most valuable in our lives. One of the things that we really need to understand, if we're going to get our minds wrapped around this idea of saying yes and participating in the kingdom of God, we've got to get our minds wrapped around that there is a drastic difference between the kingdom of God on the one hand and the kingdom, or I'm going to use the word empires of the world. The empires of government or industry or capitalism or politics or even the empires of me, the little kingdom I try to build for myself. 
There's a vast difference between the kingdom of God and the empires of the world. And the truth is, sometimes those kingdoms, the kingdom of Jesus and the kingdom or the empires of the world, sometimes those kingdoms compete for our attention and they compete for our allegiance and they compete for our devotion. They compete for our affection, our creativity, our emotion, our attention. Brian Zahn, a great um, modern, uh, current uh, theologian and preacher, he said this, we have to decide. We have to decide if we will pledge our allegiance to the empire of power or to the kingdom of love. But we can't do both. That's kind of what Jesus said, too. We can't do it. He goes on to say, an enormous amount of the book of Revelation is a scathing prophetic critique of the cult of emperor worship and a warning to Christians living in the empire not to get caught up in it. Jesus said it this way in John 18, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. When Jesus speaks about God's kingdom, it's very real. It's here and now. It's not just symbolic of eternity. It's not just symbolic of heaven. It's not just a future kingdom. When Jesus speaks about my kingdom, it's not an earthly kingdom. He's talking about a kingdom here and now, but it's not like we think an earthly kingdom, which is why I reminded you last week of those famous words of Jesus in the Lord's Prayer when he prays and teaches us to pray, Our Father in heaven, may your kingdom come May your will be done. In other words, I put it like this last week, may up there come down here. And may that happen today. And may that happen in me. May up there, may, may the, the vision that God has, the way that the world should operate according to the way God thinks and the way God set up, may that happen just like it does in heaven. May that happen right here in Tuscarawas County. Right here today. May it come in us. May it come in me. May it come here and now. Well, if you've got your Bible with you, I want to invite you to join me this morning in Matthew chapter 13. If you don't have one, that's great. It'll be on the screen behind me as I read these verses. What I want to do today is I want to walk through a couple of these parables that Jesus tells. Because Jesus, Jesus told stories all the time. That's what a parable was, a story. He used stories all the time. We love stories. That's why we watch movies and go to plays and read books. We love stories, and Jesus knew that. So he uses stories to help communicate truths about the kingdom, about him, and about the way God works. It's important that we understand that Jesus used parables to communicate truth, to understand who he was, and the way he wanted things to work, the way that God works. Most of his parables, not all of them, but most of Jesus' parables were taught in an effort to help us understand the kingdom. And again, not just a symbolic kingdom somewhere down the road in the clouds, but right here, right now. So Jesus was always saying stuff in these parables, saying stuff like, well, the kingdom of heaven kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus, is, it's, like, well, it's like a mustard seed, he says in one parable. Or it's like the weeds in a field. He says another part, the, the kingdom of God is like a wedding banquet. N.T. Wright, a great theologian of our day, says the parables, in fact, are told as kingdom explanations, kingdom explanations for Jesus' kingdom action. They are saying, here's his quote, don't be surprised, but this is what it looks like when God's in charge. That's why we read these parables. That's why Jesus told these parables. Don't be surprised, but this is what the kingdom looks like. This is what your world looks like when God's in charge. Again, can I come back to my question? What would it look like if all of us said yes to the kingdom? Well, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells seven of these parables. We're going to take the time to read two of them today. I invite you to get your Bible out when you get home. Read the rest of them. They're really good. Six of these seven parables in Matthew 13 start with the same phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like... 
And then Jesus goes on to give us another attribute or an illustration or tell a story about what the kingdom of heaven is like, what it looks like when God is in charge. Listen to the story that Jesus tells. This is verse 44. Listen to the story that Jesus uses as a way for us to understand the kingdom and what it's worth. This is Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his, in his excitement, your Bible may use the word joy, in his excitement, he hid it again, <coughs> pardon me, and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Now, we're not sure what this man's doing in this field, someone else's field. Maybe he was a hired worker. He was there working in the field. Maybe he was just passing through the field, taking a shortcut to get to the market. Maybe this field was for sale already. He was looking it over, trying to checking it out before making an offer to buy it. Whatever the case, this man in this field found a treasure. Now, it was common in those days for landowners to hide treasures or possessions in, in their fields, in the ground. There were no banks. There were no safety deposit boxes. There were no fireproof safes. And so if you had something valuable, you would go out into a property secluded from everywhere else, and you would dig a hole, and you would bury it in the ground. And so if the landowner were to die unexpectedly or hadn't let anybody know about, you know, hey, if I, you know, if I kill over here, be sure you go out to the, you know, 14 steps left of the tree out there in the back pasture because that's, there's something there you're going to need. People had no idea that there, that there were these hidden treasures in these fields. But this treasure in the story Jesus tells is a great surprise. And instantly, the man who discovers this treasure, trips on it maybe, trips on this box in the ground, knew that this treasure was incredibly value, valuable. And he was full of joy, excitement over his discovery. So he goes home. He sells everything he owns so that he will have enough money to go and buy the field. He sells his home, his livestock, his property, his jewelry, his children, his yeah, uh, okay, all right, whatever. He took all the money, everything he found, had a big garage sale, sold everything he had, took the money, and bought the field. The point being that the treasure in the field is worth more than everything else the man owned. When the man found the treasure, he could have covered it back up, he could have gone, about, gone on about his business forgotten all about it, never thought about it again, but that's not what he did. The treasure was too great. It was too exciting to forget about. He was so excited to think that he could possibly own that treasure, that he could stake a claim to that treasure. I suspect he laid awake at night, each night, staring at the ceiling, thinking about the treasure, hoping no one else finds the treasure. It could be mine until he finally sold enough things to have the capital and it, so he could go buy that field. And notice that this man sells everything. He was left with nothing. Everything he owned, all the stuff, he was willing to give up to gain the treasure. He knew that the treasure was better than his home and anything else that belonged to him. The treasure was so important to him that he joyfully gave up everything to gain what was more valuable. Each one of us has been invited to participate in this kind of kingdom. But the truth is, if I can just get to preaching for a minute, the truth is on our own, 
on our own accord, on our own power, on our own wits, on our own, we cannot be a part of the kingdom. We can't do it by ourselves. Because the truth is, all of us have sin in our lives, and that sin keeps us from God. It separates us from God. On our own, we cannot be a part of this kingdom. But Jesus came to make the kingdom available to every single one of us. There's a beautiful thing that happens. Jesus takes away the sin of everyone who puts their faith and their trust in him. And that person then gets the opportunity to participate in God's kingdom. So let me just ask, is there something in your life that is keeping you from being a part of God's kingdom? Is there something in your life that's keeping you from being a part of God's kingdom? Because the invitation is for everyone. New life <clears throat> recreated in, by God. New life in this kingdom is much more than, just, more than just going to heaven when we die. Jesus didn't just come to take us to heaven. He came to bring heaven, the kingdom, to earth. Kingdom life is here, and it's now. May up there come down here, and may it happen in me, and may it happen today. What does the kingdom of God look like here, today? What would it look like? Well, it's going to look a whole lot like Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is going to look like the sick being healed. The kingdom of heaven is going to look like poor, the poor being fed. The kingdom of heaven is going to look like the suffering being delivered. The kingdom of heaven is going to look like the dead being raised. The kingdom of heaven is going to look like outsiders being invited and given a seat at the table. The kingdom of heaven is going to look a whole lot like generosity. The kingdom of heaven is going to look like forgiveness of sinners and a feast for all. It's knowing the Father. It's knowing the king. It's listening to his voice. It's having his peace and his love and his joy. It's the best possible life that we could live. Jesus reminds us in John 10 that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Hmm. That kind of life is possible in the kingdom. That kind of life today is possible. You are able to lean into Jesus and have that kind of life, life to the full. Oh, but the thief. Ooh. The thief. We can't forget about the thief because he comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. He wants nothing more than for you and for me to live our entire lives outside of the kingdom of God. Life outside of the kingdom is way less than what God wants for us, what God intended for us, how God created us to live. It's not a full life because it is a life that is separated from the king. Isaiah says, it is your sins that have cut you off from God. Have your sins cut you off from the kingdom? But Jesus came, and Jesus offered the kingdom and everyone who chooses to trust in him can say yes to life in the kingdom. And it can be life to the fullest if you trust in him. So Jesus compares the kingdom of God to the hidden treasure. The kingdom of God is the treasure. 
The kingdom of God, participation in, being a part of, being in this kingdom of God is far more valuable than anything else in this world. And this is where it gets a little personal for each one of us. Because we have a choice to make. When we discover, when we realize that we can enter into God's kingdom, just like the man in the field, we have a choice. We can either see the treasure and then just go back to our own old ways, our old life, our own empires, and turn our back on the treasure. Or we can see God's kingdom full of peace, full of love and full of joy, full of forgiveness, full of life and want that more than anything else in the world. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else. So let me just say this. Jesus is not saying to you or to me, he is not saying go home and sell everything you have. I mean, if you choose to do that, that's on you. It's not on me, all right? That's not what Jesus is getting at. But Jesus is saying, you should be willing to. You should be willing to do that. He's saying that nothing else compares in value to the new life that the king wants to give you. You should not love anything or anyone more than our king, more than you love God himself. If you belong to the kingdom, you have the greatest treasure. Pursue this kingdom like you would a great treasure. Well, the next verse, Jesus tells another parable. I think we've got to put these two parables together because, well, they're kind of alike. Let me read the next one. Again, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, here's that phrase again, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Pearls are extremely valuable, extremely beautiful. I think you know where pearls come from. They come from these little oysters, these little bivalve creatures that live under the water. And these little creatures have these little, little shells. They have a little hinge on them. They open up, and that's how they get their food and the nutrients and all the stuff comes in. Every now and then, a little oyster opens its shell, and a piece of, a, a piece of shell or sand will get into its little gross inside of an oyster. You know what that is. It's gross. And it gets in there, and it irritates him. And he begins to, to, to create this, this, this goo, if you will, this coating that goes around a piece of sand. And over enough time, more and more of this coating goes around this piece of sand and it becomes and creates, and for several years, it ends up looking like this beautiful, shiny little stone that we call a pearl. And we can pay lots and lots of money for these things so girls can wear them. The bigger and the more perfectly round the pearl is, the more valuable it is, the more that it's worth. Pearls were especially valuable in Jesus' day in the first century. Treasure seekers then, as, as they do now, would search the Red Sea and the Persian Gulf and the Indian Ocean to find the oysters with the pearls inside. But not every oyster has a pearl. And not every pearl is round or valuable. But the man in Jesus' story, Matthew 13, that this man, he finds the best pearl, a very valuable pearl. This story is very, very similar to the first parable, isn't it? But there's a huge important difference I need to make sure you understand before we leave here today. Big difference between the two men in these two stories. The man in the field, he just happened to stumble on the treasure. He just kind of tripped on it. Look what I found. 
He wasn't looking for it. It just happened to be in front of him. And maybe that's you today. And you're not really sure why you're here. You're not really sure what's going on here. You're not quite sure how you found yourself in a church building on a Sunday morning. Maybe a friend invited you. Maybe someone you love drug you here today. You didn't have a choice. But you're not really sure why you're here. Or maybe you're more like the pearl merchant. This guy didn't trip on the pearl. He was looking for it. It wasn't an accident that he found this pearl. He was searching for this pearl. He was actively looking for the treasure, for the pearl. This man was like the people who had listened to God's promises from long ago. They were waiting for the Messiah to come. They were waiting for the Savior to come. And even those people who had been looking for God's kingdom, when they found it, it was far greater than what they expected. You know, people find their way into God's kingdom both ways. Some people stumble upon it. Some people spend years searching for it. And either way, it's extremely legitimate how you get there. There's not a right way or a wrong way to come to the kingdom of God. It happens both ways. And just like the first story, the valuable pearl in the second story was a symbol of the kingdom of God. And like the first story, the man gladly gave up everything he owned to gain the treasure, to gain the pearl, He knew that nothing in the world that he owned, nothing that he already owned could compare to the great treasure that he had just found. The point of these two stories is pretty simple. It's the great value of being a part of the kingdom of God. Jesus isn't pointing out that we have to go home and sell everything. He's not saying you've got to get rid of all your earthly possessions, all the things that you love, that you value, that you hold dear. What he is telling us is that this kingdom is worth more than anything else. That his kingdom, his participation, being a part of this kingdom is worth more than anything else. The men in both stories gladly, joyfully gave up everything else to claim their new treasure. Jesus makes it very clear in these two stories that we should not let anything let us from being a part of, from participating in, from saying yes to the kingdom of God. So here's what I came to say today. Sermon in a nutshell, ready? The kingdom, the kingdom is worth every sacrifice. The kingdom is worth every sacrifice. Saying yes to the kingdom of God is worth living a life that values the kingdom above everything else. You know, I think each one of us, we kind of have, if I can use the, like the metaphor of a scrapbook, we got a scrapbook in our minds of what our lives look like, what, what we want our lives to look like, what we think our lives should look like. We have an idea of what we want to see happen in our lives. So let me just ask, when it comes to this thing of being a part of this kingdom, are you willing to maybe change the pictures around in that scrapbook a little bit? Are you willing to change that scrapbook around a little bit? Are you willing to to give up maybe when you'll get married or how many kids you'll have or where you'll live in order to be a participant in this kingdom? How about giving up how much money you make or what jobs you will have or what your house will look like? Are you willing to sacrifice the places that you'll travel or what you'll do with your vacation days or maybe who your friends will be or how your kids will behave, or are you willing to sacrifice how close your kids or grandkids live 
from you? Are you willing to rearrange maybe when you'll retire to be an active participant in this kingdom? You see, all those things that I just mentioned, all of those things seem like huge sacrifices in our earthly American dream empire. But we aren't called to live in an American kingdom, especially an American dream kingdom. But we are called to participate in God's kingdom. But all those things are worth giving up so that up there can come down here so that we can have kingdom life here and now. So let me go back to the opening question. What is your most valuable possession? Let me pray for you. If our community team will take their places. God, we hear these words of Jesus today. And it's easy to sit in a, a church building or watch a church service online and to hear these words and to read these familiar words of Jesus and to acknowledge, yep, kingdom's valuable. Yep, kingdom's valuable. That's a great thing. But God, it's really hard to walk out of this place and realize that it's more valuable than everything else. So God, I just ask right now that in, in this place, in this crowd, in this audience, that your Holy Spirit would move in us and teach, teach us this truth. Teach us just how valuable this kingdom is so that we can't wait to say yes, that we can't wait to participate, maybe for the first time, maybe in a brand new way, but that we're ready to participate, to make up there, come down here, and may it come now and in us and through us. We pray this in the name of the King. Amen.